Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Murphy's League. Today's episode, I'm going to be previewing week 5 of the NFL. We're going to be talking about a couple of my favorite matchups, the implications of all that. Some of my best bets will be included as I talk about some of these matchups. I'm thinking about just taking it one game at a time and then putting timestamps down below. I'm not going to talk about every single game. I think I'm going to talk about 6 total if I'm not mistaken. And then after that, we're going to get into some fantasy football advice. So some starts, sits, maybe some trade options. We'll see how it all goes but as always there will be timestamps located down below if you just want to skip to your favorite team or favorite segment feel free to do that i appreciate you guys and let's get into it all right guys so like i mentioned in the intro we're going to be starting off with some of my favorite matchups Obviously, there will be timestamps located down below, so if you just want to skip to the, your team of choice, feel free to do that. But we're going to start off with the Falcons and the Texans. I really didn't think that I was going to be looking forward to this matchup this much, but as a Bijan Robinson owner, I'm watching every Falcons game very closely. And now, as a CJ Stroud fan, I really enjoy watching the Texans. These teams are trending in two opposite directions right now. Obviously, the Falcons have lost their last two after starting 2-0. and Their offense, particularly their passing offense, has completely stalled out. They're 32nd in passing yards on the season. Also, it's worth mentioning that Desmond Ritter's splits at home, in a way, are a completely different tale. He's 4-0 at home with a 68% completion rate, a 4-1 touchdown-interception ratio, versus being on the road, he's 0-4 with only a 59 complete completion percentage a one to two touchdown to interception ratio and this team is clearly managing him they clearly don't trust him uh this coaching staff has said that there's not going to be a change at quarterback but i wouldn't be su too surprised if that's coming sooner rather than later he just really is not getting it done even on pff he is ranked 34th out of the 32 starting quarterbacks so obviously there's backups playing better than this guy right now so Again, both teams trending in opposite directions have a chance of making a statement in this one. And of course, we got to talk about CJ Stroud. I talked about it last week, but I'm really bought in on CJ Stroud. I think he and Nico Collins might have something really special going on. I also am really impressed with how the rookie Tank Dell has been playing. If you haven't heard me talk about him already, he's definitely someone I was talking about to pick up on the waiver wire early on to the year. I'm sure he's already owned in your league at this point because dude is a star he's playing really really well i'm really impressed with what he's been able to do and honestly i just really like the way that this coaching staff is using him i like what this coaching staff is doing in a multitude of ways the fact that cj stroud was under a ton of pressure early in the year getting sacked a lot and still playing mistake free in this past two games i mean just as an example last week against the steelers he wasn't sacked a single time and that is a very impressive feat against a steelers team like that but of course got to give a lot of co coaching excuse me a lot of credit to coaching but Unlike Desmond Ritter, it's very clear that this coaching staff clearly trusts him, and you can see that confidence in his game. He plays with a sort of, you know, that Joe Burrow, cool, calm, and collected presence in the pocket, and it really does show in his game. He's making great anticipation throws. He's playing with absolute confidence, and it shows in his game. The fact that he still hasn't thrown an INT is absolutely ridiculous. He's off to a crazy pace. He has 151 attempts, not a single interception. That is super, super impressive, especially considering some of the defense he's gone against, like Baltimore, like Pittsburgh. It's really impressive what he's been able to do, and the numbers really do back it up. I mean, he's third in attempts, he's fourth in passing yards, and he's also getting better each and every single week. Like I mentioned, his yards per 
attempt has increased each and every single week. So, I mean, I'm just really impressed from what I've seen this guy. And a couple more stats that really do back that up is right now, the Texans are one of six teams with more interceptions than they do uh, passing touchdowns allowed. They're also getting pressure 44% of the time, which is the third highest rate in the league. Of course, a lot of those pressures aren't directly resulting in sacks, but still, nevertheless, have to give them a ton of credit for what they've been able to do. And for those reasons, I can't really believe that Texans are an underdog in this game. I know that it's at home, and I just mentioned that Desmond Ritter plays, or excuse me, away. And I know that Desmond Ritter does play much better at home. So in his building, maybe he'll have, be a little bit more comfortable. Also, the Texans not great against the run, and obviously Bijan Robinson leading the way for the Falcons, one of the most dynamic running offenses in the entirety of the league but just based off a of quarterback differential and how they're coaching these guys up i know jesse bates and david Onyemata are playing very very well on the defensive side of the ball you know jesse bates might be able to continue his streak of picks and end up giving cj stroud his first interception of his young career but just based off the quarterback differences based on where these teams are headed right now i mentioned it earlier Texans started 0-2, have won their last two games. Falcons started 2-0, lost their last two games. I think that trend continues. I really like Texans' money line in this one at plus 105. So let's, let's get into Dallas versus San Francisco, possibly the biggest matchup of the entire weekend. All right, guys. So Dallas versus San Francisco, possibly the most talked about matchup of the weekend. Obviously, San Francisco is responsible for knocking the Cowboys out of the playoffs the past two years. Very dramatic ending to the games. Honestly, in both years, uh, really weird endings. Kind of, there was the home game for the Cowboys two years ago where San Francisco went on that miraculous run and they obviously ended up winning off of that bullshit draw call that Dallas called where it was a quarterback draw. They ran out of time. It was a tear. I shouldn't say bullshit. I mean, it was completely, there was nothing bullshit about it. It was just a stupid call by the Cowboys ended up biting them in the ass. And then of course, last year, that was the hysterical Zeke under center. And that was his last ever play as a Cowboy. So I think that trend continues. I really like San Francisco in this one. I just think they've exposed Dak Prescott once again. I'm really starting to feel like this might be the Niners year. I really think it's all coming together for him. Christian McCaffrey is obviously having an MVP type of year. Brock Purdy is just playing really, really well, just playing mistake free. When you have a team this talented, you just need to manage the game and not get in their own way. And he is absolutely doing that for them and more, honestly. He's playing very, very clean football right now. But beyond that, he's playing good football like he is legitimately making plays for this team and has been a difference maker for them i don't want to discredit him in any way because he has been the difference in this game you can argue if there's a different quarterback under center there this team would not be looking as dominant as they are obviously it helps to have the talent around him that would help any quarterback but regardless he is doing really good things for this team i still think the eagles could give him a run for their money later on but let's talk about this what's at hand dallas versus san francisco um i still think that this game proves that the cowboys aren't in the same tier as those teams and by those teams i mean san francisco and the eagles i just think that dallas is just slightly a tier below that i think a lot of that does start with the quarterback and dak prescott i we really haven't seen him been able to get over that hump yet and this cowboys team is really struggling in the red zone it's been their kryptonite so far this year um, and three points at a time is definitely not going to beat this Niners team. They're only converting on 36% of their red zone, red zone trips right now. And just for context, the Ravens are first in the league at 80%. So obviously, that's a number that's not sustainable. Um, 
if you want to be one of the better teams in the entirety of the NFL. 36% is just not going to get it done, especially against an offense this dynamic. The Cowboys are second in points per game on offense. I believe they're also second in yards per game. And then the, the Dallas defense, obviously we know how elite they are. They are first in yards per, or excuse me, points per game allowed. San Francisco is second. So my point is this really is a battle of the juggernauts. This really could tell us a lot about the NFC. If somehow Dallas can pull it off, you know, it's going to be a really big statement win for them. But me personally, I just like the Niners a lot right now. I love their talents. I like the way they match up with anybody in the league. Christian McCaffrey's playing really well. Those dudes up front are blocking really, really well for him. They just have so many different ways they can beat you as well. Obviously, once they get into the air, it can go to Ayuk, who's been playing phenomenal, arguably having the best year of his career so far. Debo Samuel is a little bit beat up, but still leading the team in targets. We still know how dynamic he can be with the ball in his hands. And then, of course, there's George Kittle. I mean, you guys know, there's just so many weapons on this offense and I really do think this defense has a good game against this Dallas Cowboys offense I think they come back down to earth a little bit after honestly they didn't necessarily torch the Patriots defense but they did have some success against them I think they come back down to earth a little bit in this one and I don't think they're given 14 points um, defensively like they were last week I think Brock Purdy just continues to play you know mistake free clean football and the Dallas Cowboys just find a way to, or excuse me, the San Francisco 49ers find a way to make squeak pass the Dallas Cowboys. And honestly, I really do like the spread in this game. I think they win by a touchdown. I would not be surprised if um, they end up scoring, or excuse me, if they end up winning by seven points or more. But the Niners spread is currently at minus three and a half. I absolutely love that bet. And I think this will be the game where all those social media questions, if Dak can get it done, is he the guy? Can he get over the hump? I think we're all going to hear those those storylines and those headlines after this game because it seems to happen year after year once they get into a really you know once they play one of these elite elite teams of the nfc those questions always tend to come around um also while we're talking about this i want to give a quick shout out to my dad because he actually made a really great point about paying quarterbacks um i'll read the stat right now let me pull this up because i thought it was really interesting it's basically a stat saying that you can't pay your quarterback and make it to the super bowl i thought it was really really interesting let me see if i can find it right now i thought i had it up already but my phone turned off so <laughs> the group chat was indeed not open um here it is this is this is a great stat and this is a reason why I think the Niners, it could be their year. It's stats like this. Since 2000, only four quarterbacks have reached the Super Bowl with a cap hit higher than 13%. And the ridiculous thing is the quarterbacks that did it were Manning in 09, so lost in the Super Bowl. Mahomes in 23, he's the exception. He won that Super Bowl. We got Manning in 13, so he's done it twice. But I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that was a Super Bowl where they got their ass whipped by the Seahawks. That might have been the year before. Correct me if I'm wrong. And then Matt Ryan, who, of course, 2016, the only Super Bowl he made, ended up being a comeback victory for the Patriots in that one. So it's just a really telling stat about even when Brady was making the Super Bowl all those years, he was on a budget contract, all things considered, for the team, for his value to the team. He was taking a really reasonable team-friendly deal, and Brock Purdy is on the most team-friendly of team-friendly deals right now. Obviously, a seventh-round rookie, Mr. Irrelevant, 
that is such a team-friendly contract, and it gives them the flexibility to have the highest-paid edge rusher in the league. They just traded for Randy Gregory because the Broncos needed to get him off the books, which, again, amazing move for the San Francisco 49ers. One of the highest-paid off-ball linebackers in the league. Uh, George Kittle, I believe, is the second-highest-paid tight end in the league after TJ Hawkinson just signed his extension, so he got beat out there. But Trent Williams, highest-paid left tackle. Christian McCaffrey, highest-paid running back by a mile. It's not even close. So my point is it gives the opportunity for them to pay a lot of these other guys. And once you do pay the quarterback, obviously it's a double-edged sword. It's really, really hard to you know turn away a Mahomes or a Burrow or a Lamar, one of these guys that, especially in the case of like a Burrow, where Cincinnati was in no man's land. They were literally picking number one overall, got their guy Joe Burrow, and he's brought them to the promised land. Obviously he didn't end up winning it, but he's been to a Super Bowl. He's been to two AFC championship games. It's very hard to say, look, man, we can't pay you that much. You need to take a discount. And it's just a tough market. And I absolutely understand the argument for, well, you're not going to let that guy walk, but it's really hard to just fully convince yourself. Yes, but we're going to give this guy 55 million in this day and age is 25% of the cap space, if I'm not mistaken. I believe the cap number is 220 million. That's that's 25%. So it really does just put you automatically in a bind. And of course, that stat that I just read you about Super Bowl quarterbacks, it's very, very rare. And that's 13%. Never mind the fact 25%, you know, and these contracts are only going up and up and up. So it's going to be really interesting to see. My point is, I really do think this is the Niners year. I think they make another statement game, statement win, excuse me, against the Dallas Cowboys in this game. And I think that trend continues against the Cowboys. Sorry, Cowboys fans, but give me the Niners at minus three and a half. I really do like that bet. Up next, let's talk about Cincinnati versus Arizona. All right, so let's talk about the Titans at the Colts. Jonathan Taylor activated off the pup list. He's a full participant in practice this week. I would start him with caution because I'm not going to tell you to bench JT, but at the same time, be wary that this Titans defense is actually really, really good against the run. It's not the same against the pass at all, but against the run, <clears throat> they're first in yards per carry, fourth in yards per game, and second in rushing touchdowns per game against. So again, I'm not going to tell you to bench Jonathan Taylor. He's a revolutionary talent. Maybe not. That's a strong word. He's He's a really, really good player. <laughs> There's a reason why he was an all-pro player two years ago, second in Offensive Player of the Year voting. Um, but this Titans defense is really, really stout against the run. Either way, I'm not going to tell you to bench him because it's Jonathan Taylor. I would just be wary. If he was on my team, I'd maybe bench him and just give him a week, see where he's at. But again, that could totally blow up in my face. It's Jonathan Taylor. He's an extremely talented player. Um just don't be surprised if he doesn't look like himself coming out the gates. That's all I'm saying. Either way, I love what the Colts have been able to do offensively. I think their offensive line has been playing very, very well, and I love the way they're using Anthony Richardson. I really think the Bears need to take a page out of the Colts book and use Anthony, or excuse me, use Justin Fields the way that the Colts are using Anthony Richardson. I think Shane Steichen is a brilliant offensive mind in this sport. He's one of the best in the business right now in my opinion for calling plays and for developing young quarterbacks i mean there's a reason why justin herbert had the amazing rookie year that he had jalen hurts obviously last year with shane steichen went all the way to the super bowl with his guidance now anthony richardson is looking like he is going to be the franchise guy there in indianapolis obviously you don't want to jump any guns but he was a, considered a very very raw prospect coming out of college and he's looked very very solid sorry i just used very very way too way too much there 
but some notable stats in this one before I move on. I'm not going to talk about this game too extensively because, frankly, I don't really know what's going to happen. I know that the Colts opened as one and a half points favorites. The line has since shifted, um, which I didn't really understand why the Colts were home favorites in this one to start off, but it has since shifted. The Titans are now one and a half point favorites, which makes a little, a lot more sense to me. But could this be the Colts with, or excuse me, could this be the time where the Colts finally get over the hump? Because they've lost five straight against the Titans. They've also lost seven straight home games at Lucas Oil Stadium. So it's going to be really interesting to see if they can get over the hump in this one. And I wouldn't be surprised if they do. But again, this is one of those divisional matchups where divisional matchups always tend to be the most unpredictable anyways. But right now, I just don't really know where these teams are at. Derrick Henry had the best game of his season last week against the Cincinnati Bengals. Can he do something similar against the Colts? I definitely think there's a chance that he will. Um, When you're just looking at some of the stats in this one, the rushing yards against for the Colts. They're ranked 23rd. They also rank 22nd in points allowed, uh, 28th in pass yards against. So start up Derrick Henry, start up, uh, not that you're going to bench Derrick Henry, but you might have DeAndre Hopkins on your bench. Feel free to start him up this week. I think he can finally bounce back and get into the end zone. Uh, I could definitely see how that would happen. And then as far as the Titan stats go, I mentioned it earlier, they're fourth in rushing yards against. So be wary about Jonathan Taylor. I'm kind of spoiling my fantasy segment. Maybe I shouldn't get into all this. So I'm just, I'm just going to wait. I'm going to wait up. Um, and let's talk about the Eagles and the Rams really quickly. You know what? I'm not even going to cut it because I'm only like three minutes into this segment. Let's just talk about the Eagles and the Rams really quick uh, because I really like a bet in this one. That's basically all I want to say. Cooper Cup is back. You're going to start him. That's just not a surprise at all. He might be a little bit limited. You're still going to start Puka Nakua. Uh, he has been absolutely excellent. That's not a surprise at all, breaking all kinds of records. I don't have to talk about it too extensively because I'm sure you guys already know, but something you might not know and something that's slight, like slightly going under the radar is the Eagles have been struggling against the pass this year and the Rams are a really, really good passing offense. And now they're getting Cooper Cup back, one of the best receivers in all of football. The Rams have been that's where they excel. They excel in the passing game. They're fourth in passing yards per game. And for those reasons, I really like the over in this game. It's set at 15 and a half points. I know that's a lot, but I really think that this Rams offense is going to find a lot of success in the passing game. This Eagles defense is allowing the six most passing yards per game. So I think they're going to be able to take advantage of that. Of course, Cooper Cup now coming back really helps that. And Matthew Stafford has looked really healthy, looks really fresh, and has been playing very, very well. Um, really big win last week against the Indianapolis Colts obviously started off really hot and then completely lost it in the second half but I like them to get it going against the Eagles don't expect them to be running the ball a lot in this one because not only is Kyron Williams beat up but this Eagles rushing defense is still elite this defensive line is still you know one of the best parts about this team one of the best defensive lines in all of football if not the best honestly Um, Jalen Carter has been playing out of his mind Not that I didn't expect that. He is a very, very talented rookie. Um, But we know what Jalen Hurts can do. We know what A.J. Brown can do. We know Devontae Smith. We know how good this offense is is right now. But this secondary hasn't put it all together right now. They still have a lot of their guys, and there still is room for them to bring it all together. But until I see it, I'm not going to believe it. Rams passing offense is elite. Take the over at 55. Or excuse me, not 55. That would be ridiculously high. At 50 and a half points. With all that being said, let's get into my fantasy advice for this week. It is absolutely now or never for the Cincinnati Bengals. Before the season, I think a lot of people would have completely dismissed this game and just wrote it off as an easy W for Cincinnati. But the way Arizona has been playing and also the way they match up against Cincinnati in particular, this is just 
going to be a really, really tough one for Cincinnati. And of course, it's essentially a playoff game for them. If they don't win this one, it's basically over their season. They can basically write it off. If you fall down to one in five, one in four is already just such a small room for error. Like the margin of error is so, so slim for this team, but they're coming off an absolute ass whooping. They need to get right. They're traveling again and blame can be placed in basically every single direction of what's going wrong. Obviously, Joe Burrow is not looking like himself. He has that calf strain and he just doesn't have the pocket presence that he normally has in terms of like, he's never a dynamic athlete, but he's almost like a, uh, the way Brady was never a dynamic athlete when he was playing, but he just had such great pocket presence and knew how to shuffle around in the pocket and avoid that pressure. That's what makes Joe Burrow so elite and he doesn't quite have the mobility right now. It doesn't do him any favors at all that his offensive line is not playing well at all. According to PFF, Cincinnati ranks 31st in pass block win rate, pass block win, win rate, win rate. Wow, that was a tough one. That was way too tough. <laughs> but my point is that is absolutely not going to cut it. We know this Cardinals defense is doesn't have a whole lot of stars along the defensive line, but they've been impressive for the most part, and they have kept their own in a lot of instances. So definitely cannot be writing them off. I think the easiest way that you need to, to win this game if you are the Cincinnati Bengals is I expect them to rely heavily on the quick game. That's really the only thing they've been doing really well. Anytime there's long developing routes downfield, Joe Burrow either doesn't have the mobility to avoid the pressure or the pressure is just right in his face before he can do anything about it. So I really think that the quick game is going to be very prevalent in this one. Expect super, you know, short passes, get it out of your hand quickly, not a not a lot of downfield shots. The yards per attempt is not going to be very high in this game, but I think that's the formula of how you want to win this game because I think not only does this buy into Joe Burrow's strengths where he can diagnose a defense, get it out quick and be surgical in that way because that really was their bread and butter when they were on the come up in these past couple years. That was what, you know, helped them out so much and how they were beating a lot of their opponents. Yes, we know Jamar and, and Joe Burrow have a dynamic, you know, ability to get the ball downfield and make explosive plays, but their bread and butter was really that short game and yards after carry and just slowly, you know, death by a thousand paper cuts. I'm sure you've heard that before. That's what Cincinnati was so good at doing these past couple years and they need to get back to that. Not only is it going to buy, or excuse me, not only is it going to buy into Joe's confidence and, you know, buy into his strengths, but it's also going to keep him upright. It's going to do him a favor protecting himself. You don't want to see him continuously being hit. For a guy dealing with a calf injury, he was hit far too often in that Tennessee Titans game. And I think they were just drawing up too many plays that were too long developing. When your offensive line is not protecting the way that you want them to, I think you need to get this run game going with Joe Mixon early. And I think you need to get the ball out of Joe Burrow's hands very quickly. Play action off of that. And then next thing you know, that's where the big plays come. Once those linebackers bite on the play action because you're killing them continuously in that quick game, that's when you can get those shots, those double moves down the sideline to Jamar Chase that we've seen so many times before. Um, and I mentioned this Tuesday, but of course, Joe Burrow not playing like himself at all. And it's going to be a really interesting game in this one because, again, I mentioned it, but it's essentially a playoff game in this one. Some notable stats from this one as well is Cincinnati currently ranks 31st in run defense. So they're 31st in pass block win rate and 31st in run defense. My point is you cannot win football games like that. It all starts in the trenches. You know, I've been saying this for years and years and years, and it's just, it's not rocket science. If you watch any games, if you're betting on any games, 
genuinely speaking generally speaking excuse me the team with the better offensive line and defensive line combination is going to have a far better chance at winning that football game obviously quarterbacks are the most important position in the sport and joe burrow is significantly better than josh dobbs no disrespect to josh dobbs at all josh dobbs has been playing phenomenal football and if you know me you know i'm a big josh dobbs guy go vols but he's not joe burrow that's not a hot take to say at all and Cincinnati, again, needs to turn this around very quickly. I mentioned that they ranked 31st in run defense. So start up James Conner. He's been running really, really well to start this year. He's actually second in the entire league in yards per attempt at 5.3. And Cincinnati, not very good in the run game at all. So start up James Conner. And I'm not going to be placing any bets on this game because I just don't really know what to expect. Arizona is a team that continuously surprises me each each week. Um, you know, I think if you put a gun to my head and absolutely made me pick one, I'd probably take Cincinnati Moneyline, but I'm not going to feel very confident about that. They're on the road in Arizona. Arizona has been a very formidable opponent to every single team they've played. Um, yes, they've had some really rough losses, but they, they got a really dominant win against the Dallas Cowboys a couple weeks ago. And Joe Burrow, obviously coming in not 100%, and that is not a good game script for Cincinnati needing a win very very desperately so gonna be really interesting to see what happens in that one and I will most definitely not be betting on it <laughs> up next let's get to the Saints versus the Patriots all right Saints versus Patriots both quarterbacks have a ton to prove in this matchup obviously no surprise here this isn't news Derek Carr signed a massive contract with the Saints this offseason four years 150 million dollars just to remind y'all 60 million were guaranteed fully at signing and there's a hundred million fully guaranteed within the contract he has not been playing up to the standard set by the team when they gave him this contract they were obviously expecting significant upgrade at quarterback play and frankly he's been playing like one of the worst quarterbacks in the league I'm not going to sugarcoat it at all I know that he's been dealing with an AC joint injury in his throwing shoulder so that's not easy to get through at all but we can't forget that the saints team was favored to win the south before the season started and they could definitely still do so but i mean his stats they're not very good at all a little over 700 passing yards through four games is not good that's less than 200 yards per game significantly less than 200 yards per game and two touchdowns to two ints he is not playing where they need him to be playing right now and of course this patriots defense is very beat up but belichick we trust we always trust in belichick we never you know can count him out and he's definitely going to be scheming up a very good game plan to deal with this passing offense chris olave obviously you're not going to bench him in fantasy but you know start him with hesitancy this could be a game where he has a little bit of a down game jc jackson now back in the building for the new england patriots obviously it's a really weird situation that happened there uh going to the chargers signing a massive five-year 87.5 million dollar deal just to be dealt for a six round pick um, you know, a year later because he had a ton of off the field issues it sounded like in the Chargers. He's dealing with a criminal case that's ongoing in Massachusetts right now. So I don't really know what the full details of that's gonna be. I don't know if a suspension's coming. I really don't know about the, the little details of that case, but I know that he is dealing with that. And it sounds like he was just a little bit of a locker room cancer for the Chargers. And of course, even when he was on the field, he was not playing well at all so i expect him to come back and maybe you know meet somewhere in the middle as far as he's not going to be back at the top of his game where he led the league in interceptions for the patriots immediately off the bat i don't expect that to happen but i also don't expect him to be playing as badly as he was for the chargers over the past year year and you know some change uh, i expect you know the mean to regress a little bit 
and he's probably going to be somewhere in the middle between those two. But let's. I was just talking about the quarterbacks, and I got a little bit carried away with J.C. Jackson. My point is Derek Carr needs to step it up. I don't think this is a game where it's a very good game script for him to step it up because, again, Christian Gonzalez out for the year. Matthew Judon sounding like he's going to be out for the year. Uh, Jonathan Jones is still on IR. Marcus Jones is dealing with an injury himself. So the Patriots defense is really, really beat up. But again, in Belichick, we trust. Now, let's talk about the other quarterback. On the flip side of this, we have Mac Jones, who's coming off one of the absolute worst performances of his career. Really, really ugly start for him. Two picks last week, including one going back for six, and then two more fumbles, if I'm not mistaken. I believe it was two fumbles. Probably should have wrote that down. And he is just not playing well at all. Some of the stats that back this up is, despite him being fifth in the league in attempts right now, he is 16th in passing yards. So obviously not converting at a very high rate while also not having a very good average depth of target that is backed up by he is 0 for 12 on passes 25 yards 25 plus yards down the field that is not good at all this is not an explosive pass game in the slightest and then it's not helping him at all that i mean just look at his weapons right his wide receiver one right now is probably kendrick Bourne, maybe juju smith schuster you got Devonte parker there but none of those guys are really scaring you at all and now i just mentioned that patriot secondary how beat up it is this saints defense is getting paulson odebo back i really really like paulson i think he's one of the most underrated cornerbacks in the entirety of the league marshawn Lattimore is playing like an all pro at corner right now and then of course there's alante taylor who's Having a little bit of a down year, but I really, really liked him coming out of Tennessee, and he played very well for them last year. So this is a really good Saints secondary. And again, I just mentioned for Derek Carr, this is not a good defense to be looking to correct and get right in. It's the exact same case for Mac Jones. Mac Jones, even though he is at home, tends to play better at home, just like most quarterbacks do. The matter of the fact is this Saints secondary is really, really talented, really good, and his wide receivers are not very talented, so it's not a very good matchup for a get-right game, and it doesn't help that, according to PFF, this Patriots offensive line has the worst pass blocking rate in the NFL. I just mentioned it with the Cincinnati Bengals. They're 31st. Guess what? The Patriots are 32nd, so obviously Mac Jones not playing well himself, but you can't put all the blame on him in the slightest there's a whole lot going wrong offensively and honestly Belichick just isn't changing with the times it's we're seeing this change in the NFL where it's very pass happy and wide receivers are getting paid a lot of money and the best teams have the best receivers and Belichick is just refusing to pay his wide receivers he chooses to pay tight ends over them which is really you know again not changing with the times and Mac Jones is struggling because of this he's doesn't have the weapons to keep up with a lot of these teams and he's being asked to do a whole lot with a whole lot of nothing and he's frankly it's really really hard to make chicken salad when you're dealt chicken shit so it's not his fault and it is partially his fault but it's not all his fault is what i'm trying to say um again the, the both secondaries are are the strength of this team and both offenses have been sputtering all season. Patriots rank 30th in scoring average. Saints are dead last in red zone to touchdown conversion rate. So it's totally understandable why this is one of the lowest over-unders on the week. I believe I bought it at 39.5. And, and I think it makes total sense that anyone would like this under. I know that's a really, really low total. And if there's a defensive touchdown, that might just blow up in my face really quickly. But hey... I just don't think either one of these quarterbacks are going to have a get right get get right game in this one, and I really don't like the way their offensive weapons match up with these secondary pieces, frankly. So I'm going to talk about two more games here, and then let's get into some fantasy football advice. 
All right, fantasy football starts and sits. First off, if you're benching DJ Moore still, stop it. I learned that this weekend. It's time for me to start DJ Moore. I've He's been riding on my bench the entirety of the season, and obviously you guys know I'm a Bears fan. That's just criminal. I shouldn't be doing that. I got to trust my guy. Justin Fields currently has a perfect passer rating tar targeting DJ Moore. Five touchdowns to zero interceptions. DJ Moore is this passing offense. 230 yards, three touchdowns on eight catches last week, or I guess this week. Um, that is absolutely ridiculous numbers. And don't be benching him anymore. Just he is the guy in this offense. Him and Justin have a really special, really dynamic connection when they're going to each other, or I guess when Justin's going to him. So stop stop doing it. Stop benching DJ Moore. Start him every single week. I don't care if you have two really good receivers. Put this guy your flex. That's what I'm going to be doing. I've got Jalen Waddle and Devontae Smith. I'm not going to bench either one of those guys. But Alexander Madison on the flex spot, you can get benched. <laughs> All right. Up next, start Brees Hall. The Broncos are dead last in basically every single rushing category. They're, they're last in yards per game. They're last in estimated yards per carry. They're last in rushing yards per game against. Um, Brees Hall has been announced that he's no longer on a snap count. Didn't really feel like he was anyways. Actually, that's, that's Cap. He had like two carries in one game. What am I saying? But Brees Hall, elite, elite talent at running back. This Jets offense... Obviously, Zach Wilson put a little bit something together in the second half of that Chiefs game, but at the end of the day, it's still Zach Wilson. This Broncos defense can't stop anybody along the ground right now. Brees Hall, amazing talent. Start him up. Love that matchup this week. Up next, start Tank Dell. You're starting Nico Collins anyway, so I'm not even going to mention it, but this Falcons run defense has actually been really, really good. There's six in rushing yards per game allowed. Outside of Jesse Bates, though, this Falcons secondary has been rather suspect. I'm a big A.J. Terrell guy. I expect him to match up against Nico Collins. But honestly, even A.J. Terrell is not having a very good year this year. I just love the way they've been using Tank Dell. I think they've been using him really creatively. There was a great play where it was almost like a T.J. Watt was coming off completely unblocked on the edge. And it looked like an audible where CJ just knew the hot route, got it to Tank Dell immediately. It's stuff like that where Tank Dell is so explosive at the line. There's just not a lot of guys who can even jam him and get his hands on him because he's just so twitched up and fast. And he might not have like the craziest breakaway speed, but there's a reason why he was in like the 98th percentile or whatever it was in his 10 yard split. His ability to get to zero to 100, his 100 is not as fast as some other receivers' 100s, but. His ability to get there is one of the quickest I've seen in a very, very long time. So you're going to start Nico Collins. I think he's a must start each week until we see anything different from him. But Tank Dell, you might be on the fence about him. I wouldn't be hesitant to start him up this week. Um, also mentioned it earlier, just slam Houston Moneyline. I really like that one. That might blow up in my face because obviously they're favorite or excuse me, they're underdogs. But I really like that pick this week. I'm really feeling it. Up next, let's bench Miles Sanders. Not only is he being outplayed by Chuba Hubbard and he's dealing with a little bit of a lingering injury, this Lions run defense has been playing really, really well. And I think it's been playing really, really well in part because they're just kind of kicking people's asses. They get ahead early and game scripts don't really work out where you're going to be running the ball consistently against the Lions. Even when you do, it's not very efficient, but a lot of the times teams just get away from it because the Lions offense is that explosive. They get up early and... <laughs> 
Frankly, this Patriot or excuse me, Patriots, this Panthers secondary is also beat up, which is not helping their case at all. They've got some injuries back there, including missing a starting safety. One of their cornerbacks is out. Dante Jackson could be out as well. Um, by one of their cornerbacks, I mean JC Horn, who's probably their best cornerback. Um, so for those reasons, I like starting Jared Goff a lot. I think you're starting Jared Goff anyways, so I really don't have to tell you that. But I do have to tell you to bench Miles Sanders if you were considering starting him. Um, you know, Jameer Gibbs is one of those awkward ones where it's like, what are we going to do with Jameer Gibbs here? A lot of you guys took him in the third, um, maybe even the late, or excuse me, early fourth rounds. But I really don't know how you can consistently start him at this point. David Montgomery is just getting all the touches, especially in the golden zone, in the red zone. Um, so be wary of Jameer Gibbs. I'd probably keep him on the bench. You're going to be starting David Montgomery each week. This Ryan, this Lions offensive line is excellent. Even though he's not a very efficient you know, yards per carry guy, he's still playing out of his mind and getting a ton of carries, getting a ton of touchdowns. He's not even necessarily playing out of his mind. I shouldn't say that. It's more like this Detroit offense is just really, really good. And they put up a lot of points. And David Montgomery has a lot of opportunities to score touchdowns. So... Bench Miles Sanders, start David Montgomery. More than likely, you're going to want to bench Jameer Gibbs. Start Jared Goff. Okay, let's also start Michael Pittman. I mentioned it earlier. I'm not going to tell you to bench Jonathan Taylor, but also maybe bench Jonathan Taylor. That could totally blow up in my face, but I just would be wary of him. He might not be looking like himself right out the gates, and this Titans run defense is really, really good, like I mentioned earlier. They're first in yards per carry. They're fourth in yards per game. They're second in rushing touchdowns per game allowed. And it's not the same story at all against the pass. I really like starting up Michael Pittman in this one. He's leading the team in targets this year. And the Titans are 23rd in passing yards against. They're 29th in INT, in INT percentage, excuse me, and 28th in percentage, um, completion percentage allowed, excuse me. So for all those reasons, um, I'd be a little bit wary about Anthony Richardson this week. I think they're going to find a way to contain him. But I really, really like what he's been able to do. I still would start him up. Pair him up with Michael Pittman. Put him in your starting lineups. Let's go. Up next, we're going to sit every single Saint slash Patriot except Olave. I think Olave is just obviously, he's pretty much a must start every week. When you're taking a guy in the second or third round, you're not really going to want to be benching him on any given week. I would just tamper expectations a little bit in this one. I know this Patriot secondary is beat up and Olave is clearly the number one on this offense. So there's definitely a reason to be made where the volume's going to be there. And again, I'm not going to tell you to sit him. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying tamper expectations and sit everyone else. Wait on Alvin Kamara. He had a crazy amount of targets last week, which is very translatable, especially if you're in a PPR league. If you're in a PPR league, I wouldn't hate you for starting Alvin Kamara because simply the volume was ridiculous this last week. And you can't expect that to happen again. But just, you know, based off what we've seen so far, that's... <laughs> A really really good number for a ppr standpoint but if you're in standard don't start him just just do yourself a favor keep him on the bench and don't start a single patriot because there's really not anyone worth starting the saints run defense has been really good in past years um, they haven't been quite as good to start out this year but i really just haven't liked what i've seen from ramon J. stevenson so that would be the other one you'd maybe be considering starting but i would just hold off on that one and keep him on your bench you're also going to want to sit Najee harris not only is he being outplayed by jalen warren it's actually not quite as bad as people are making it sound people are blowing it a little bit out of proportion Najee's not looking absolutely awful um, but the Ravens haven't allowed a rushing touchdown this entire year. I expect that trend to continue this week. They're seventh in rushing yards per game allowed, third in points per game as a defense, and they're seven in rushing yard or sorry yards per rush. Um, so again, 
all those metrics really, really do help out the Ravens. I could see why this is going to be a low-scoring game. Obviously, most of these AFC North are just smash-mouth football anyways, and they tend to be low-scoring, but this Ravens defense is very legit. I would definitely tamper expectations on Najee Harris, and I would be sitting in this week if you can afford to do so. But on the flip side of that, start Zay Flowers. Clearly the one in this offense, the wide receiver one, he is getting the most targets, still leading the team in targets. And the Steelers defense has really been struggling against the pass this year. Patrick Peterson not quite looking like himself. Levi Wallace not playing too well. Joey Porter, he's going to get more snaps as the year goes on because he's been playing excellent. Absolutely loved him coming out of Penn State. If you followed me during the draft process, you know how much I talked about that guy. Loved him. I thought it was a really, really great pick when they have ended up adding him. Um, of course, he could have been. Chicago Bear, because the pick that we gave up to get Chase Claypool ended up being him, which I'm trying to keep my head of, like level right now because we just traded Chase Claypool for a pick swap and a seventh rounder. It was just bad. Dude had one touchdown his entire time in Chicago. Yeah, that was a really, really bad trade. It was essentially a first-round pick. It was a 30-second overall pick because obviously Miami had their first-round pick taken away for the tampering with Tom Brady, all that shit. Not good not good whatever let's get back on track we're talking about fantasy football start up zay flowers because the steelers have not been playing their past pass very well at all and zay flowers is the one in this offense lamar jackson honestly kind of having a career year in the passing game he's leading the league in completion percentage right now i expect that trend to continue start zay flowers i mentioned this earlier as well but start matthew stafford not only is the game script favorable where there's going to be a lot of points put up in this game and that always helps any sort of quarterback but Kyron Williams is beat up and the Rams love to pass they're a very high volume passing offense the Eagles are struggling against the pass right now they're at home which always helps that turf field you know you're gonna have guys flying around I really really like starting Matthew Stafford he's looked excellent to start the year again volume is there efficiency is there matchup is there there's no reason why you'd be sitting Matthew Stafford be sure to start him this week because he is healthy he's slinging it he's looking really good a sleeper I'll mention before I finish up this segment is Rasheed Rice. He's quietly been getting more and more snaps for the Kansas City Chiefs, leading the team in red zone targets. And this dude has an amazing athletic profile coming out of college. Um, you probably heard me talk about him a little bit on my podcast during the draft process, but honestly, I didn't give this guy enough love. Now I'm finally getting back to some of his film and I really liked what I saw. He's an explosive athlete, tested really, really well. And KC needs more from the receiving room right now. Outside of Travis Kelsey, they haven't had a whole lot of reliable guys in the receiving room. Obviously, Marcus Valdez-Scanling has done some really good things, did some really good things for them in the postseason, but they're expecting more from those guys. I expect you know one of Sky Moore or Rasheed Rice to really be taking steps forward, and Rasheed Rice, why would it not be him? You know, Great athletic profile, spent a high-round pick on him, uh, obviously second-round pick, and the Vikings are also 31st in completion percentage allowed, so they don't really have a guy that can match up physically with Rasheed as well because not only is he an amazing athlete he's a big ass dude as well so it really does play out for Rasheed Rice very well and definitely keep him in mind as a sleeper pick if he's still available in your leagues don't be surprised if he has the breakout week this week and he ends up being a top waiver priority for most of you guys in your fantasy leagues but that's gonna be it for me today I hope you did enjoy this episode if you did be sure to follow me here on Spotify or Apple Music, wherever you listen to this podcast. Be sure to go follow me over on Instagram. I appreciate each and every single one of y'all. Uh, yeah, I guess that's it for me, guys. Have a great rest of your day. Peace out.